The strange but true stories featured on this podcast contain details some people may find unsettling. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Chaya Samuel and things are about to get weird. Happy Halloween one and all. It's the most wonderful day of the year and I hope you're all feeling suitably spooky and ready to celebrate in whatever ways you enjoy. Dressing up, having a scary movie night in, or just listening to a few Halloween themed podcast episodes like this one. However you're spending today or tonight, I hope you have a great one. As you can tell from the title, this is the Things Are About To Get Weird 2023 Halloween special, and I have some of your strange but true experience stories to recount today. I'm also going to round the episode off with a piece of Halloween trivia, if you like. It's something I found myself wondering about earlier this month, so I thought I'd share what I learned about it. Just a quick warning before we begin that there will be a very brief mention of the death of a child in our first story. So I just wanted to make you aware before we start in case that's something you'd prefer to skip over. That said, let's kick off this episode with our first listener story, which is very ghostly indeed. This email is from Annie Marie and it reads, Hi Chayas, I grew up in an old gatehouse in the grounds of Kinross House as a child in the 90s and had seen a ghost drift through the walls at the top of our stairs one afternoon. It was odd as the way it drifted was not level with the stairs, so I have no idea if it was from an earlier time or not and I never dared to research it. In my personal experience with ghosts, it didn't seem to matter about the time of day they were active. This was only my first encounter. After that, I'd get an odd feeling in my back whenever ghosts were around. The second occurrence I remember is as a school child in primary seven. A few friends and I, I think there were four of us, decided to pull out a makeshift Ouija board in the school library, as there were many stories of a child choking to death on their tongue in the nurse's office, so we thought it would be great to try and contact them. We asked a question, and the device we used at the time to help pick the letters, I think it was a paper cup or something, it's so long ago these details have been forgotten, started to move, and everyone swore that they had nothing to do with it. All of a sudden, the window and door all slammed shut at once. It could have been the wind as it was Scotland after all, but we all ran for the door and tried to get out, but the door wouldn't open for what seemed like an age. Needless to say, I've never touched a Ouija board since. In 2011, we were living in Helensburg and had just moved into a ground floor flat next to the train line, not far from the station. It didn't seem to have any eerie feelings, however, we had many spooky goings on. Our kitchen taps would randomly turn on full blast in the afternoon or evenings on several occasions. Our tumble dryer would pop open mid-spin frequently. The scariest thing I witnessed, which actually terrified me, I was sat in the living room at 1am scrolling Facebook and my husband and children had gone to bed. When our middle blind rolled up about six inches all by itself, 
I got such a fright that I actually dropped the laptop and ran through to bed and had my husband go and close the room up for the evening. I have never been so scared. My husband also had a screw drop from the kitchen doorway into the middle of the living room. In that house, my daughter would speak to people in her room and I never dared to ask who she was speaking to. There seemed to be so many spooky goings on, I actually approached a priest to come and bless the house as I was so scared and would often be alone with the children as my husband often worked away for up to six weeks at a time. They weren't experienced in this area but could see how frightened I was and whatever they did helped settle things down. They gave me a Bible and though I'm not religious, I held on to it until we moved down south to England. I found that the active areas of the house were the living room and the kitchen, which were closest to the train line, so I'm not sure what the cause was for the hauntings. I will attach pictures of orbs I've picked up. I've taken them from my Facebook page as the laptop they were stored on is broken. I couldn't find anything to say what the cause of the hauntings were, but I have never been so glad to move. Thankfully, our new house is nice and ghost-free. I can't wait to hear your next instalment of the podcast. Kind regards, Annie. Oh, Annie, your email was fascinating. I did have a look at the photos you attached and there definitely are a lot of orbs floating around. It's interesting that you mentioned in the first bit of your story that it didn't seem to matter what time of the day it was in terms of when the ghosts in the house were active. Because if you've listened to episode 10 of the podcast about my own paranormal experiences, that was kind of the same situation in that house I lived in in Lincolnshire. Members of my family had weird experiences in that house at all different hours of the day and night. So that was very interesting. Like you, I'm not religious either, but I think in your situation, I might have also sought out some spiritual assistance. I think when you feel like there are spirits with you in your home, it's totally understandable to want to get everything cleansed and feel safe and relaxed. I'm so grateful to you for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you so much for your email and I'm so happy to hear that your new home has been a real fresh start for you ghost-wise. This is a shorter but gripping story from Alex, which actually relates back to our episode about the Broadhaven School UFO incident. It reads... I was at school, I was maybe year 8 slash 9, and we were there late, it was going dark. I played in the band, so we were hanging around between the end of school and an evening concert. I assume it must have been autumn or Christmas as it was so dark. We were stood around in the yard, just chatting, kicking a ball about probably. Then all of a sudden, blue lights, either on one large flying object or three spaced out ones, passed super fast overhead. No sound. A few seconds later, followed by two low-flying, super loud military jets. Over in seconds, but the jets made it feel more real. I think we were all just a bit in shock. We never really talked about it afterwards, just kind of got on with life. I remember it pretty well, even to the point I can be fairly sure I could stand in the same place I was then right now. 
Well, I would if the school was still there. It got demolished and replaced with an academy. None of my schools exist anymore. Thinking about it makes me a bit goosey, actually. This was outside Queen Elizabeth School in Hollins, between Middleton and Bury in North Manchester, probably around 1997 or 1998. Now, when I read Alex's note about this, I also found it really goosebump-inducing because it's yet another account of a UFO sighting happening at a school and by a group of kids, not just one, which makes it even stranger. His story really stuck with me because it got me thinking about this weird link more than ever before. So, I did a little more research to see how many other instances of unidentified flying objects being spotted by schoolchildren there have been, and the results were wild. There were the Broadhaven and Hubberston school sightings, which happened in Wales in 1977, the 1994 sighting by 62 children at the Aerial School in Zimbabwe, the multiple Westall High School sightings that happened in Australia back in 1966, the more recent incident at the North Point High School in the US state of Missouri, which was actually captured on camera. That one took place in 2022. The list goes on as well. I'll be the first to admit that I'm not an expert on the history and the in-depth debates that go on surrounding UFOs, but with all of the current focus on the idea of extraterrestrial life, especially coming out of the US at the moment, I'm getting more and more intrigued, and this angle of school sightings has really hooked me in. It's so odd. I know that sceptics will argue that well, young people have vivid imaginations and love to make up stories, and okay, I do understand, but when I read a story like Alex's, I 100% believe it. And the military jet aspect makes it all the more compelling too. What Alex and his friends saw exactly, I have no idea, but it seems very strange. If you've not yet listened to episode 38 of our podcast about the Pembrokeshire incidents, I'd definitely recommend giving it a go if you are intrigued. There are lots of details in the stories which make them harder to dispute and will really leave you scratching your head. I'm going to be keeping a very close eye out for any further school-based UFO reports. I just think there's got to be something in this, right? I don't know, nothing confuses me as much as this topic does, but I guess that's why it's also so fascinating. As always, if you have any thoughts on this one, please do get in touch. And a huge thank you to Alex for this story, it has really gripped me. Our final listener story for this special is actually two stories, and this is from the wonderful Rachel. She said... Hello Chayaz, I hope you're well. I did want to send a voice note, but speaking about this makes me quite emotional. I've always felt very tuned into the paranormal ever since I was little. This is a small story before my main one. When I lived with my mummy, she and my stepdad both kept going mad at me for leaving lights on upstairs. Months this was going on and I said, it's not me. My mum went to the local pub, brackets, she didn't believe at all in the paranormal, and there was a psychic on in the pub. She wasn't listening, etc., but the guy kept insisting, 
I need to speak to an Yvonne. Is there an Yvonne here? And one of the people said, she's there. So my man walked round to where he was and he started laughing and said, I have a gentleman here who said, leave Rachel alone. It's me playing with the lights. It was our uncle, my great uncle who had come through. She ran home and was white as a sheet and kept apologising. Oh my gosh, Rachel, I got a little shiver reading that. It's just so specific and there's no way the psychic could have known this tiny detail about your daily lives. Very, very strange. But let's carry on with your email. Next story, my main reason for contacting. For months last year, there was a lot going on with my family. My partner was undergoing tests for mini seizures. He was diagnosed with a glioma and we found out we were expecting another baby. I kept feeling a presence in the house, kept hearing walking. My bed would shake at night when I was alone. My son was making it obvious he could see someone I couldn't and would be laughing away at night alone in his room. I could smell my grandparents near me. At one point, I saw my grandfather out of the corner of my eye. I thought I was going mad with everything going on. So I contacted a medium and she confirmed to me it was them to watch out for us all. My son was named for my grandfather and she said he is my son's guardian angel. Do you think this is possible? Another thing, do you think you can be sent someone in your life as a brief visit by someone you loved beyond the grave? When we went for an appointment for my partner, we spoke to a lady who, when I walked in, I heard her speak and it was like hearing my grandmother who passed away 10 years ago this year. She sounded like her, looked like her and even smelt like her. I shook for the entire appointment and when I said to her, can I ask where you're from? Are you from Tipperary? When she said yes, I burst into tears. She was so like her. I felt so peaceful and calm because it was like feeling my nan next to me again. Thank you. So sorry for the huge email. I have had so many encounters and questions. Kind regards, Rachel. Oh my gosh, my heart. Well, I can only speak for myself, of course, but I completely believe that we can have spirits watching over us. I've had a couple of experiences myself where I'm convinced that a friend or family member who had passed on has been with me. I've always found it very touching and moving and I hope you took some comfort from your experience with this too. I also think the last part of your email was so sweet. The fact that this lady came into your life for those few moments at a time when you had so much going on feels very special to me. And I know that if it was me who had had this experience, I'd be smiling to myself and thinking, yep, it feels like it was meant to happen this way. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing your stories with us. I really appreciate it. And of course, I really hope that everything is looking much more positive with your partner's health now too. I'm sending you and your family all of my best wishes. Okay, it's time to round off this special episode with the Halloween fact I alluded to in the intro, and it's all to do with how black cats became associated with all things spooky. 
I was listening to the song Broomsticks by one of my very favourite bands, The Pretty Reckless, and there's a mention of black cats in the lyrics. And then I started wondering to myself how this association began. So, I would guess that most people automatically associate black cats with witches and the idea of a witch having a familiar. If you grew up watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch like I did, this link is probably especially clear in your mind. But how did it all come about? Well, as far back as the 13th century, the church had decided that these darker coloured felines were out of favour, with Pope Gregory IX declaring that they were an incarnation of Satan back in 1233. This reputation seemed to have stuck, and as the medieval period progressed and the persecution of those thought to be witches increased, black cats pretty much got caught up in the mix. As author and Wiccan priestess Keridwen Fallingstar explains, quote, Witches honoured the natural world, having a deep respect for plants and animals. Affection between human and animal therefore began to be seen as diabolical or devilish, and the old lady with her cats became seen as suspect. To this, she added this iconic statement, Cats, like the women accused of witchcraft, tend to exhibit a healthy disrespect of authority. In the church, neither independent women nor independent animals were to be tolerated. She's also spoken about how witches tend to be very practical, and may have opted to keep black cats as pets because they're better mousers, i.e. they're better at catching mice at night because they're more camouflaged in the dark. Therefore, they would make very practical pets. To this day, black cats are widely regarded as the trickiest to rehome. According to the RSPCA, they take on average twice as long to be adopted as a grey tabby cat does. To be honest, if I were a cat person, all of this would only make me want a black cat even more. But alas, I am a dog person. A shout out to my source for much of this section, the fascinating history.com article by Elizabeth Yuko from August 2023. A massive thank you once again to the listeners who sent in their stories for this Halloween special and to you for joining us today. Whatever you're up to this October the 31st, I hope you have a safe and fun Halloween. I'll be back tomorrow with our usual full episode. The topic is so intriguing. I hope you're going to find it as enthralling as I do. If you've enjoyed this episode, a quick star rating or review wherever you listen is always very much appreciated. It's a fantastic free way to support the podcast. Thank you so much in advance to anyone who leaves one. So until next time, take care of yourself and others and keep it weird for the good kind of weird. Thank you.